Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hey there, welcome to ATL on 29 of Peachtree Hoops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chouinard, I'm here with Tyler Jones and the Hawks won back-to-back games, both halves. Uh, they have not done a lot of that this season. Tyler, what'd you think about Trevor Ariza? Uh, he's being a, like a sore baby. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I legitimately, I don't know what was worse, his original reaction or the the handshake where they quote unquote made up where he clearly like snatched Trey Young <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> or his quotes where he says, I'm not about the funnies, like don't do that to me because I'm a veteran. I'm like, bro, that, that, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, I don't actually know what, what your, your complaint lies in should... It's a legitimate basketball move that, you know, the the only difference is that Trey Young does it more often, but Chris Paul, Manu Ginobili used to do that, you know, infrequently, but they used to do that. And, like, it's a legit weapon for Trey uh, yeah. uh, to get guys off him just by going through their legs. I, I guess he prefers Kyle Lowry's method of going through the leg, but I don't know. It's... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. He sounds like a sore loser. Um, like saying that because I'm a veteran, that shouldn't be done to me. I I legitimately don't. I don't see what what he's angry about. Like he made it worse. Like if he just if he doesn't chuck him, uh, you know, and he just plays defense. You know, there's a chance the ball goes out of bounds if like he made the right read. Uh, and like there was a there was a good chance because because he stepped in the, the into directly into Trey Young's path, like there there was a chance that Trey wasn't going to be able to get to that basketball again. So there was a great chance he wasn't going to get to it. Uh, I don't know. Trey's pretty Trey's faster than than maybe. Uh, I mean, he could he can get it after two bounces too. Yeah, I don't think so, he was getting it on the first bounce. No, but he, I think he would have got there. But like if he. But I, I don't think he would have been able to score just based on right. Ariza, you know, stepping into the right way. Yeah. Uh, so, like, he, he gets a flagrant foul, and, you know, the refs naturally give Trey Young a tick because they must de-escalate the situation by <laughs> by um, punishing the victim, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's, a, it's like the second time Trey Young's gotten a technical foul for staring – at a guy seems a bit ridiculous, but I, don't I mean, know. he didn't just stare at him. He put his hand on his ear, but you know, the thing about it is like Trey young, 
he was, you know, he was confident. Like, I have no problem. I just can't imagine somebody getting a taunting penalty for what happens during live play. Like, this wasn't after a made basket. Like, the ball is in flight, and he's, you know, knees bent, hand on his knee. I think if you're willing to take the risk of uh, looking stupid if the shot doesn't go in, if you and feel that good about it, then, then let him taunt away. And that's the thing with Trey Young. This this is what I don't understand with Ariza. Trey Young is willing to look dumb to do cool things. We've seen <laughs> them look like an idiot sometimes. And like you know, when when, when his cool thing goes awry, like he's willing to look the, the stupid idiot. But what you did was one like shove a guy no reason because because he went between your legs and then like again the quotes about i'm not about the funnies now i also don't know what cj mccollum was talking about i think he was just rambling but i'm like what 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 are you guys talking about like if if somebody makes a play like it's a legitimate basketball move like you know just because you haven't seen it before that often in the nba doesn't mean like you're 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 absolved because you're a veteran. Like so, Trey <laughs> did that to, I don't know, uh, and for Anthony Simons, it, it'll have been okay. Like Trey does that to everybody. Like he did it to James Harden in the playoff game. He did it to Fred Van Vliet, thirty five feet from the hoop, in order to get an open three pointer. Like he he will do that to any, he will nutmeg anybody at any time. And like it's a it's it's. I mean, it's a mental weapon. Like it, it works. Like it, yeah. Like it, it, it keeps guys from. I mean, Trey probably has has one of the best handles in the league, and like him being able to do that just gives him more options to get by his man. So, I don't know. I think, you know, shout out to Ariza for making a highlight even better. Um, so I, I assume Trey is pretty happy with that. <laughs> Yeah, really. If you want to de-escalate the situation, give him a flagrant too. Like, yeah, yeah, that that was ridiculous that he didn't. Because like, there was there was no part of that that was a basketball play. He's just like, yeah, I'm gonna cross check you. Goodbye. And he was clear. Like, I'm, mean, I'm like, he's clearly the one mad, right. and he's and there was a follow through. And it's like you know, just kick him out the game. Yeah, easy. Like from to till that point, like it was a. The game wasn't over, but like the Hawks, the Blazers had really no answer for what the Hawks were doing offensively, and like the the shot quality between the two teams was night and day. So yeah, you know, I think I think there they should have just exercised a better caution and just kicked them out and moved on. It's such a sad Portland team. Like, that didn't even feel like a good win. Like, they were just... I mean, they had good offense in the second quarter and the third quarter, but it didn't... I don't know. Like, the Brooklyn game just felt like a much bigger achievement. Portland was just dismal. And that was with the Hawks playing on a back-to-back and Portland not. Yeah, but, I mean, Portland without... I mean, they they got a lot of injuries. They have a lot, yeah. I mean... It's just tough. You're missing somebody as great as Dame Lillard. Like, yeah, that's I mean, the offense right there. They're missing three out of their four best players. Is that fair to yeah. say? Lillard, yeah, Collins, no, Nurkic. Yeah, no Collins and Nurkic really hurts their interior defense as well. You know, you know, Whiteside. Uh, he gets the blocks, but he kind of can't move. So, 
uh, like it's just it's just tough. They don't, you know, they're starting Carmelo, who isn't very good, um, you know, and I mean he's clearly their best option to start games, and it's like if you're doing that, like I just you're just not a very good basketball team, and so you know, yeah, at least at Carmelo's this stage of Carmelo's career, um, so uh, yeah, it, it's it's just tough. It's just tough. Um, sucks that Lillard got hurt when he was probably having the best stretch basketball in his career. And they're probably not going to make the playoffs almost certainly now uh, just due to, due to the nature of a groin injury. Like once as somebody who has injured their groin before, like it, that's it. It just doesn't get healthy unless you rest. And like yeah. there's no resting period. And, in in, you know, there's no more. You know, the all-star break came and went, and, you know, he's not going to, you know, they're, they're just not, not, I don't think there's just going to be enough games for him to come back and be fully healthy. And even when he does come back, he's probably going to come back too early. Yeah. Um, you saw that. You saw what happened with LeBron. Like, LeBron's season functionally ended last year when he got that groin injury. Yep. Uh, it, it's hard. Like, it, you know, it's it's not an injury you can just come back, back, back from. It. it either completely heals or... You're going to go through stages where it feels good one day, and then you try to push it, and all of a sudden you, you got a setback. So, and they're like, just it, not it good enough. For, like it's not yeah, worth it. Yeah, yeah, and it's just yeah, not a good team. It just, it just, it just sucks for that Portland team. Like it's, I don't know. It's it's been it's been it's been tough. They they, like they they just really struggled to put a championship contending basketball team around Lillard, um, just due to poor timing and, you know, bad signing. So, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully Lillard comes back healthy uh, sometime soon so that, that they can at least have some hope for the playoffs because, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a tough situation over there. Uh, before we leave the topic of Carmelo, he said some very nice things about Trey Young last night. Uh, he was asked can about I just Trey. Say, oh, hold sorry. On, hold on. I, yeah. I don't care what Carmelo has to say. Like that dude, I don't know what his deal is with the Hawks. Um, like I, I legitimately don't understand. Like, I don't know. He has some. I remember back when the Hawks, uh, the season they won fifty games, he had some quote where no one wants to play in Atlanta because of garbage. And I'm like, you know, that's nice, Carmelo, but. You're not as good as you think you are <laughs> during the prime of your career. Your prime was in Denver, and you kind of never recaptured, you know, that magic over there because uh, the way you played and how you didn't want to um, adjust your game. So, you know, I'm sure he said some nice things about Trey, but personally, I ain't trying to hear it from him. Uh, wow. He, there's a reason why he wasn't in the league. It's not because teams were blackballing him. It's because he's not good. That's um, Oh, for sure. I, and you saw, I mean, you saw it against the Hawks. Like, they were running ISO post-ups for him. I'm like, they can do that all game. I hope he makes every mid-range jumper while the Hawks get open corner three after open corner three. Like, right. like he doesn't get it. And it's unfortunate because, uh, you know, when, when he was in Denver, he was legit. He was a legit uh, superstar caliber basketball player. But, you know, He's more about the fame than the game. So, I mean, he, he's got that, you know, with New York and didn't do anything. Uh, so, I mean, luckily he'll be in the Hall of Fame. So that's, that's nice. 
while middle basketball players aren't going to be in the hall because they don't have the numbers. Um, and that's my that's all I got to say about Melo. I'm sure he said some nice things about Trey. Sure, Trey appreciated, but to me personally, like I, I I like I don't like his game. I don't like his personality, and I was I I kind of wish he wasn't in the league. Um, I feel like Portland could have found a better uh, somebody else. Um, you know, somebody younger who you know could potentially grow. Uh, but Melo ain't it. Oh, for sure. I mean, at this point of his career, he ain't. I thought he was kind of effective in the first quarter when the game was just like a complete utter slot fest. It felt like he could do a few things on the offensive glass. Like he was, he was crashing pretty hard and the Hawks didn't seem to have a, a very good answer for that. But yeah, you're right. I mean, in terms of if, if you're running your offense through the kinds of shots he can get uh, and, and you know, Trey is setting up his shooters for three pointers the way he was, it's, it's not a fair fight. I just, I just wanted to say, I, you know, you talked about his personality and, and, you know, just based on his game alone at this point, you know, it's, he's, he's a fringe NBA player at best, but I thought he's always been a pretty decent ambassador for the league. He's immensely popular, I think, among his peers. Is, is that fair to say? Yeah, but I mean, the Jeremy Lin stuff didn't sit well. It, it still doesn't sit well with me and I don't care. And I, I get annoyed that he, get, he just gets a pass for that. Right. Um, for what happened with him and Lynn, like where it's very clear uh, Carmelo didn't like that Jeremy Lynn had a good stretch of basketball games. But I mean, Jeremy Lynn was a good basketball player throughout, you know, most of the prime of his career. He was never as good as Lynn Sanity, but Carmelo kind of completely dismisses them as a basketball player. Right. When they need desperately needed a point guard of who can run, pick, and roll the way yeah. Carmelo could, way he could, and like Carmelo, like Carmelo Jimmy wouldn't adjust his game. Like he, he played one way, uh, in in New York at least. Whereas in Denver, you know, when he played alongside Chauncey Billups, Chauncey kind of forced him to be, to be better. Um, and you know, he he demanded a trade instead of signing in free agency. It's just a lot of stuff that he did in his career where winning took a major backseat to the fame and like he got the fame and right. like and kudos, but like, I mean, a lot of the Knicks struggles lie at Melo's feet. I'm, they just do like there were, That's he fair. wouldn't play the four. He wouldn't like he, he wouldn't play the four when he was clearly a power forward for the majority of his career, the second half of his career. And it's like, what? well then dude, like, we're playing you at the three. We we draft Chris Saps, and you're gonna be a pain in the butt to Chris Saps too. Like I, I don't know, man. It is there. There are better. Like sure, he was a great ambassador personality. He gets all the credit for Team USA, which I don't understand. But kudos to him. It's for people that. searching for a silver lining. That's all. But he was like, I mean, Galinari has been better substantially for the majority of his career yeah, than Carmelo. And like Gallinari is not going to the Hall of Fame. And yeah. like, maybe that's my issue. It's, it's where Carmelo is going to go in the Hall. And he, let me be clear. He had, he had a better peak. Talent. That's without question. And he had better peaks. Yeah. But like his lows were lower than people realized because mm-hmm. he put up counting stats. You know, a lot of what Trey Young is getting bashed for, Carmelo would, 
was actually doing that because I don't know if y'all like Trey Young's aggressively more efficient basketball player than Carmelo ever. I mean, yeah. later half Melo was in his career like he just wasn't a winning player. He got a lot of credit because he he you know he played a, he played a fun style of basketball, but he could have still played that fun style of basketball if you know he played the four where it, or you know if he was more willing to take a back seat, you know, not necessarily in the scoring department, but just, you know, just be, be a better, a better teammate. Like, I'm sorry. Like he, he was a bad teammate to certain guys. Like he, and I, I don't think, I don't think what he has to say now because he, he's getting his second chance in Portland and like being bad. And I, I imagine Terry Stotts knows he's bad, but you know, what, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's either him or Mario Hazonia. <laughs> so, like, I mean, yeah. it's, it, you know. Yeah, we can move like, on. It's, we don't yeah, need yeah, to do like, a Carmelo podcast. Carmel, Carmelo Carmelo's a solid spot for me. And, like, like I said before, I'm sure he said some nice things about Trey, but, like, his words mean nothing to me. That's fair. So we'll skip the words. How about this, though? Bringing it back to the Hawks. Like, I think Carmelo is very uniquely popular among his peers in a lot of ways. And I think one of the Hawks has that, that, that kind of magnetism. I think he's going to be a very popular player among his peers for a long time. You want to, you want to guess who I think it is? Um, it's either Trey Young or John Collins. No, Cam Reddish. Oh, well, yeah. I think he's going to be really popular. I think he's, a, I think he has good political skills. Like I think he just has a personality to kind of bridge a lot of gaps and, make connections with a lot of people. Does that seem fair? I mean, that, and it's also his game, uh, just his natural skills. He's a basketball player's favorite basketball player. That's for a lot of basketball players like Carmelo. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, it's that type of game. That's um, fair. When, at least when, when Reddish has it going. Uh, the good thing with, you know, Reddish is that his defense is sublime. Yes. And so... Like, I, I can't speak much to his personality because I, I just don't, you know. Yeah, and I can't either. I can't it's, it's more secondhand hearing other players talk about him. Well, yeah, and he was a very popular, like, he was a very popular um, player um, coming out of Duke. AAU basketball player. Yeah. yeah, even before he went to Duke. And like I say, it's just, it's a lot of it is his game speaks to what, you know, other players like in a basketball player. Like, he's got, the, he, he's a very smooth basketball player. Um, and so, like, I would imagine he's going to be, you know, immensely popular um, as as his career goes on. That's a good way to put it. All right. Uh, completely switching gears and nibbling on the corners at best, I suppose. But uh, I, I posed this question in the Peachtree Hoop Slack, and I wondered what you would think about it. Next season... Bring one of these two players back to the Hawks on a minimum contract. Trevion Graham, Brandon Goopin. Who would you pick? Uh, I don't know why we can't pick both, but um, I don't know. That's that's actually a pretty interesting question. Uh, I would guess Goodwin only because he has higher you know, shooting potential, but Trevor and Graham has shown some things. 
kind of like what he's done. I like, I really like them both. Um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that they both play hard all the time and uh, they scrap yes. and do do dirty work in ways that which sometimes I wish, you know, the other guys would do more often and consistently. But you know, I I like I like Graham's game a lot. Um, you know, when the shot's going, he 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 becomes a really good basketball player. Um, but you know that that's just been his the, the major thing holding him back is that he just hasn't been a very good jump shooter. But uh, I I wouldn't hate bringing back both of the guys. Uh, but if if I had to choose, I would choose Goodwin just because he's younger, and uh, you know the Hawks are thin at at guard, whereas they have a lot of young wings, and they're probably going to draft another one in this draft, so there, there might not be room for Graham. Uh, but I, I like Graham a lot. Um, I, I've liked what he's brought consistently when he's on the floor. Um, he plays with an edge. He plays hard, physical on both ends. And, you know, last night you kind of seen he, he does have a decent, you know, he can attack closeouts pretty well. And, you know, that's something that, you know, guys on this team struggle with, um, particularly Herder and Hunter. I mean, that's – They're not very – that's a survival you know. skill, though, because, like, that's what Lloyd Pierce wanted out of Alex Len. Is like, okay, <clears throat> you know, we don't want you coming up the middle, so don't go in the middle. We're going to put you in the corner. But actually, even if you're open, what we'd ideally like to have happen is uh, we want to give you the ball but not have you shoot. Just try to bait a closeout, attack the closeout, and then kick it again. Like, the, You know what I mean? Yeah, you just want to keep the ball moving as opposed to being the end point, and I think that's something that Graham could do well. Yeah, and um, he doesn't turn the and like. I guess the funner question is who should be playing uh, when Bembry comes back healthy, him or him or Graham, and I and I think I lean towards Graham because he just doesn't turn the ball over. Correct, and that that's what that's been such a killer for Bembry. Yep. Like he just makes he makes boneheaded plays with the ball and it, you know, with his limited offensive tools, like that's just stuff he can't do as a basketball player. Right. So um I, I I've enjoyed the Graham experience when he plays. You know, he's not somebody who who if next season, you know, you want playing every game, same with Goodwin. No. But right. you know, a reliable option when, when, you know, guys are hurt or you want to put some energy, uh get some more energy, effort, and physicality into the game. You know, just some, just somebody you can put in who you know is going to play hard. I, I think it's something that the Hawks have not had, you know, until, you know, fairly, you know, until Goodwin and Graham, you know, entered, you know, became full-time Atlanta Hawks. You know, just guys you know, you put them in the game, you know you're going to get maximum effort from them because they have to play at maximum effort. Right. Yeah, I, I don't think either one, like, if they're on the roster next season, I don't think you want either one as sort of a guaranteed spot in the rotation. They're, they're third stringers, not second stringers. Uh, and I'd kind of be happy with either one, but I think I would lean towards Graham. Uh, I can't quite put my finger on the Goodwin thing. Like, like you said, I think they both play hard. I just think it works better at Graham's size than it does at Goodwin's size, if that makes any sense. I think it's just yeah, harder, for think- his, harder for his effort to impact the game than, than maybe it is for Graham. 
that's fair. I, I just think Goodwin has much higher shooting upside. Oh, for sure. Um, the, the jumper just looks a lot better. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, Goodwin, Goodwin's decent in the pick and roll. Uh, you know, he he plays he plays the right way on offense. He, I think he just has higher offensive upside. And, again, it goes to, you know, what the Hawks already have, three wings. They're probably going to sign two more in the offseason who are going to cost a decent amount of money. And they're probably also going to draft another wing as well. So I, I just don't know where the minutes are going to come for Graham. Whereas for Goodwin, like if he's your third point guard, like that's that's quality. Uh, and I think you know, I, I would live I would live with Goodwin, you know, being my third point guard. Whereas I would like to upgrade from Graham potentially to some somebody who can shoot with more consistent consistency uh, than he could, but. I wouldn't. I, ultimately, I wouldn't. I would be happy with both of them um, being back on the roster. But if I had to choose, like, like I said, Google. But I, I, I see the reason. Like I, I, I'm in complete agreement with you in regards to Graham. Like he's just bigger, and you know he he can consistently more make an impact on the game. Yeah. Uh, wow. You 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 like slipped in one sentence about the Hawks are probably going to grab another wing in the draft, and that's like feels like we could spend 90 minutes on that. So I, it's just like the third rail and we're just not going to touch that one today. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's probably what they're going to do or, you know, a big guard uh, like that. And then in the free agency class, like it's, you know, it's not, it's not superstar driven, but it, there's a lot of quality role players that the Hawks could use that play grass position. Uh, so, I would imagine that, you know, Schlange is going to open up the pocketbooks and, uh, you know, actually go for guys this offseason where he didn't last offseason. Yeah, I could see that. Um, when we talked about what we might discuss today, you said, what do you want me to do? Talk talk about John Collins some more? And actually, yeah, let's talk about John Collins a little bit. Uh, first, first question, do you think that they can... Do you think that the Hawks, I know part of it is just they have so many players hurt, but do you think that they feel like they can get away with using John Collins at the five as much as they have over the last week, maybe a little bit longer, just because, you know, A, he missed 25 games, and B, there's no postseason looming, so they just know that there's a finite number of games that it's not going to beat on him or take a physical toll the way it might if it was a longer season for him? Maybe. I also think they honestly don't have another option at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I think that's a bigger issue is that they just don't, they legitimately do not have an option. Um, And that became apparent like the second Alex Lynn went down all those, like I guess about a month ago or so, where Lynn missed extended time and, you know, the Hawks didn't have somebody else like. You couldn't just continue to play Jones, and Fernando was hurt as well. So it, right. it, it was it was it was just a situation where, you know, the, the the necessity of the roster dictated that the Hawks play Collins more at the five, and I mean, it doesn't matter what position he played; he's still going to get his still going to get his points and his numbers and his you know his efficiency because he's a good basketball player. Um, I I do wish they would use him more, uh, even with 
you know, this recent surge of productivity from him. I think okay, when you say use enough. more, you mean like you want more touches for him, more possessions yeah. to end with him, more or more minutes? More possessions that that involve him not just setting pick and rolls. Like have him, you know, have the offense actually run through him sometimes. Um, you know, Trey Young's brilliant, and I get it, but you know, particularly when particularly when he has a mismatch, I think they're doing a lot better at you know posting John up and actually getting him the ball when he has somebody weak on him. Uh, but even even against the Blazers, uh, I thought you know they left some points on the table just by not punishing them for uh, having a Reza guard John because uh, you know Whiteside is simply too slow. And so, like, I thought they could have got some easier looks if they would just, you know, throw him the basketball in the post and just let him go to work and draw fouls and just simplify the game. And, you know, one thing John is showing a bit more is his passing ability just because teams are – teams can't let him shoot from anywhere because he's just not making – like, he's making all his open threes now. And the thing is about his three-point three point ability is that you can't close out like, if you close out on him, then he's just going to go right by you and dunk the basketball. Because the, the guy you're going to have, the guy that's guarding John is typically the team's best uh, rim protector. Help defender, yeah. Okay. If yeah. it's not, if it's not, he's just going to abuse them. Right. And either the pick and roll or offensive rebounding or, or a mar- more right away. John just has so many ways to punish teams for not properly matching up that I think the Hawks could even benefit from using him more so that they can get easier looks for themselves. And I, I and I think you've kind of seen it uh, these last couple games where that's starting to be the case. But I, I, even still, I think that they're not – I still think they could use John even more um, just overall as an offensive basketball player. And, you know, his, his efficiency speaks for itself. Like, the numbers are ridiculous. Uh, him shooting 40% from three, I mean, already – and it's not even just percentage. It's just the, the like just that his form is the shot just looks great. Like it, it looks like it's going in every time he shoots it. It feels and, like he almost like shortens the shot. Like there's not a lot of arc, and he he puts a lot of lift in it, and he comes in towards the basket a little bit because a lot of times, like you say, it's it's the rim protector that's guarding him, and so the closeouts aren't that hard. So he just kind of he jumps into it. Almost feels like a college three when he takes it. Yeah, yeah, I I can see that. I mean, it's and it's a quick release too. Like he he's not, it's not like Deadman's, who you know right. when he got it going, he still has a little of a a slow get up. But John is just, you know, it's a quick release shot. And I mean, if he's I mean, he's making above a break, break threes, like there's just good night rest of the NBA because there's no there's not going to be a legit answer to stop him. Uh, from doing what he wants to do on the floor. And, you know, his ability to make open three-pointers and post up smaller guys is just such a weapon. And, like, it's why I think he's a, you know, all-star caliber basketball player and, a, you know, a, a max or near-max extension guy. Uh, but I mean, that's, that's, I the, that's the phrase that Lloyd Pierce used this week is that, you know, if he doesn't get suspended if he, or if he does this next year, he's, he's the Hawks' second all-star. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, but I mean, it's funny. It's like 
John, John, this isn't that much different from what he was doing his first two years. The only difference you can say is he's consistently hitting his three pointers more often. Uh, well, I mean, you know, his, his shot has gone. His defense is completely different. We were just well, talking about well, offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we're just talking about offense, okay. like offensively. Um, just it, it's not that much different. Um, but his post game has gotten a lot better, um, especially posting up smaller guys. He's he's not showing the ball anymore. He's he's getting in the guy's chest and finishing through contact. Uh, so there's no real chance to strip him anymore. Um, but other than that, like it's kind of the high efficiency guy. He's gonna make every shot he takes, and you know around the rim. And now he's added, you know this three-point shot where you have you, you can't just you can't play drawback like I think that's something we're seeing like if you're gonna let John just shoot practice three-pointers he's gonna hit too many of them for your team to survive right and if you're not doing that now all of a sudden you got to play him straight up that opens up the floor for everybody else for their three-point attempts uh, you know Hunter Hunter got some wide open looks these past two games Hunter yeah. and Herder both, primarily because you know you, you have to you have to be aware of where John is on the floor at all times. You know, if if he's going to get a shot up, there's a high percentage chance that it's going to go in, and like that, you know, you, you're just not going to play good defense if you're giving him open looks. So I don't know. I think he, again, like I said, I, you know, I, I may sound like his agent, but you know, combined with you know the imp- much improved defense. Um, that he's shown throughout the season, like I think he's an easy, easy Mac guy. And now it's going to be interesting what the Hawks do this offseason with him and his, you know, and and what they want to do with this rookie extension because then, like the idea that they're going to be able to get a hometown discount, I I just don't, or you know, a a deal for him, I, I just don't see because uh, I think you know they know and John knows that, uh, you know, he's vital to this team's success. Uh, they've been a, they, for, for more better for, for, since he's come back, you know, they've been a different basketball team before they were the worst team in the NBA and it wasn't even close. Um, and now like they're playing 500 basketball through a 22 game sample, which is a, you know, fairly healthy sample size, all things considered. So right. we'll, we'll see, we'll see how they end this season. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just super glad that, you know, the Hawks got somebody like John Collins as well as Trey Young. You know, I've said this, I think I said this on Brad, Brad's pod, but, you know, I, I said it like, I, I don't know, like John is easily probably the best, the most talented basketball player they've ever drafted in well over 20 years until they drafted Trey Young the next season. And so, like, it's Hawks are like, it, you know, the future is still pretty bright, all things considered, even with, you know, the early struggles to this year. Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, a month ago, I would have thought that just the off season is just going to be a holding pattern that they wouldn't really come to any sort of agreement on an extension because the Hawks would want to just kind of go instant max and Collins would want to wait and see and he's pushed the envelope. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's that's the that's the issue. Like now we're reaching the point like if you don't offer it to them, you look you're just silly. unnecessarily alienate alienating him for yeah. no reason when you're going to almost certainly match him because that's the thing, like currently his trade value uh just it's not as high as his production is because everybody knows you're gonna have to pay him the max. Right. And um but now like if he continue like if he continues this the rest of the season, his trade value might be at an all time high because it might just be one of the things where, oh, he's just one of the fifteen to twenty best basketball players in the NBA at twenty two years old. Like, yeah, I'm gonna give him the max because that's the thing, like all this all this um all this goodness we're talking about, John, he can still get better. Like, he, there's still areas that he can improve offensively and defensively. But like, I, I don't think he's peaked as a basketball player. No. And so, like, you gotta, you're gonna have to pay for that, you know, for that potential as well. So, like, it's a, you know, I think it's gonna be an interesting negotiation period. I had, I had thought that the Hawks were going to, I thought the Hawks were gonna agree to an extension. It, it might be somewhere. It might not be the max, but it might be somewhere close. And now it might just have to be the straight max, and um, the not the five year because they're going to say that for Trey. But right. um, yeah, it's just going to have to be the max, or like again, you're going to risk alienating, you know, really the whole team um, because again, he's I mean he's he's incredible. Like you tweeted out the numbers. He's shooting sixty percent on two and forty percent from three, like that, and eighty percent at the free throw line. Like nobody, nobody has done that. Yeah. Uh, well, know. that was going to be my other question, and you're already answering it, which is: does does it feel like he's doing something historic? Um, the only the only thing he's missing is is the rep, is the games, and so like if he continues this and like he plays fifty odd games with this level of production, like uh, absolutely, it's historic. It's one of the most efficient. I mean. He's on pace to have one of the, he's on pace to have one of the most efficient basketball seasons in NBA history, and the crazy thing is like it's not that much different from his career norms. Like his first two years of his career, this is kind of what he's always been. The only difference now is he's he's making three pointers at a higher clip uh, than he used to. So, uh, yeah, good good luck, Slank, trying to trying to. Uh, trying to sign him below below his market value um i i I don't think i don't think i don't think he's gonna have good luck with that okay uh do you want to recant your position that deandre hunter should be the backup power forward uh yes just because cameras is just better um wait wait you want to recant your position or you you want to stand by it oh you said recant for some reason i heard a different word uh no I, I stand by the position. Um, okay. Cam Reddish is a better he's a better basketball player. Um, and I think last game showed where CJ McCollum got it going on Kevin Herter because you can't put DeAndre Hunter on CJ McCollum. Kind of outline why I think you know you would prefer uh, Cam Reddish starting because Cam Reddish is just a better defender and. He's also a better playmaker. Like he's just like he's he's just a better overall basketball player. And you know, it, it's good to, to see that Hunter 
you know, is making his shots now. But the problem is that when his shots aren't falling, he's kind of a he's he's just a limited. He's just so limited with the ball in his hands that you you'd want more, and you need Herder shooting. Uh, and so that's why you know, even though Herder, I mean, that Magic game still irks me how terrible he was, but you still want Herder shooting out there on the floor uh, over either Hunter or Reddish. But to me, I just find Reddish to be the better basketball player. That all that said, like until Capella is healthy, like they should always just start the five young guys and right. roll with it, regardless of who's on the floor. Um, you know, even when Deadman comes back, you know, maybe against certain teams you go with Deadman. Um, but uh, until Capella comes back, that's your best five-man group. And so I, I think I would just start them. Okay. Wow. <laughs> uh, we've been far too positive. Who, who do you want to crap on I mean, there's nobody to crap on except, you know, I wish Herder was played a bit tougher. Yeah, I mean, it's when that injury, I don't. They they said it was like uh, an adductor, and I don't know because yeah, yeah, he had like yeah. the three best weeks of his career before the All Star break, and then he came back from the All Star break and had a couple weeks. I mean, yeah, and then good. the Cle- the Cleveland game, he got he just got out physicaled by Colin Sexton. He let. Colin Sexton body him and then he comes out post break and it's like you're not attacking the rim you shine away from contact on both ends everybody sees it and that's the problem like everybody teams are now starting to attack Herder um, in isolation uh, and they're not Reddish getting getting, better kind of forces the issue that's true but it's I mean, it's against guys he should be able to hold up against physically. Like, um, Evan I get it, though. He's not, slight, Evan though. Fournier. So, like, when he can amp yeah, but, up, yeah, he yeah, looks yeah, stronger. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah. yeah but, but Fournier I don't buy that. Fournier shouldn't be able to go about through you like he's LeBron James. That shouldn't happen. Like, that shouldn't happen. <laughs> and quite frankly, it's embarrassing that it did. And, like, you know, he's got to be tougher. And if that means committing hard fouls, then start committing hard fouls, dude. Because like you're getting pumped. Like that—that's what it looks like to me. Like there, there's certain like you—you you see these weak little slaps on the ball. He's—he's he's complaining to the ref, and it's like, dude, this is the NBA. You've been in the league for two years now. You know you have to play with more physicality in this. And like, I, I don't know. I'm—I've been disappointed because I know he's a better basketball player than what he's shown these you know past couple games. And it was nice that. Again, that he made shots. I think the past couple games have been good. It was the ones before that, wasn't it? I mean, he's just making shots now. I, I'm still not happy with just I with the he, lack of I physicality. I thought he was better over the weekend. Like, he was passing better. He was moving better. He was – I think he got to the free throw line more. I thought up from, like, the all-star game up through, like, Wednesday was rough for him. I thought the weekend was pretty good. Again, I'll continue. He was making shots, and he, I mean, he, that's something he just has to do now. But he he's got to get better on both ends. Uh, offensively, he's got to get to the free throw line, and defensively, like he's 
It's got to be tougher. Like there's like I have no like I I don't have patience for and like Hunter too. Like DeAndre Hunter as well also needs to be tougher. He needs to be more physical on, on defense and on offense. Like both of them need to play with more physicality consistently. Uh, if they want to be good, if they want to be consistently good in this in the NBA, it starts there. So that when your shots not falling, you can get to the line, uh, draw fouls, and get to the free throw line to get into a into a rhythm. Um, and then you know on defense, you know you just you can't let guys go through you like like because there's there's no help there's no help defense for somebody being overpowered physically. Like, it just isn't. Everything else there is. But if that happens, like, nobody else is going to be able to help with you because you're on, a, you're on an island at that point, and you just got to be better. So uh, that's it with uh, regards to that. Anyone? All right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm watching the Sixers-Clippers game as well. So. Oh, is it good? Um, no, but... How's Mike Scott doing? They're playing him today. Yeah, he made some shots. I'm only only seen like I only seen the fourth quarter, but uh, the Clippers are kind of putting them away now. Hmm. All right. Well, did we miss any topics today? No, I think we hit on the big ones. You know, I crushed Carmelo. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't plan on doing that. But... I didn't plan on that either. All right. Well, but, thank uh, you. It is what it is. No problem. We'll have to do this again soon. Take care. Mm-hmm. Bye.